Psalms 23, let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. All right, Lord, thank you for your words. Bless it to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty. I want you to remember now that we've been going through the 23rd Psalm which is from the viewpoint of a real shepherd. David was a real shepherd. He had shepherded sheep. When Samuel anointed him to be the next king over Israel, he was about 17 years old, but he was probably around, I'm guessing, 10-ish, 11-ish, if not even younger, when he was introduced to shepherding. He had done it for a number of years. He had risked his life for the sheep. He had risked his life to protect the sheep from predators. Uh, He was used to being out there alone with sheep and God. I think it's very interesting that uh, David, being the youngest, when Samuel came to anoint the next king, Jesse brought all of his sons in front of the prophet except David. David was like an afterthought. So I think it's pretty safe to say that David was used to feeling like second fiddle in that family. Not only that, but because of what Jesse had put him over, that is the sheep, then he was used to being isolated, separated, alone. And so I think he had the choice of either being lonely or being alone with God. So while he watched those sheep at night, David was out there with his harp, which we know he learned to play on such a level that it drove demons out of Saul when Saul was going mad from the presence of a demon spirit. David had so learned how to play that instrument under the anointing of God and the blessing of God that it had a power on it. So as he's watching these sheep by night, he's also worshiping God. Some of the Psalms come from those alone hours with God. And David learned the art of shepherding. So when he says, beginning with the first verse of Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, that is pouring out of a knowledge of what a shepherd did what a shepherd was, who a shepherd was, what happened in the interchange between the shepherd and the sheep. He was speaking not out of just poetic inspiration, but out of deep knowledge of what shepherding was all about. And so we've gone through this 23rd Psalm. It's a beautiful Psalm. I love this Psalm. It's the best known poem in the entire world. And uh, now we're going to look at the last one, and that's verse 6, where David sums up the whole thing And he says, here's what I know. Since the Lord is my shepherd, then surely. Can you say with me, surely? Now, surely is a whole lot stronger than maybe. He said, surely. He didn't say, maybe so, hope so, perhaps so. He said, surely. He said, this is a fact. If the Lord is my shepherd, then here's what's going to happen. Surely, goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days, all the days of my life. Now, I want to just tell you something, folks. Something is following everybody. 
Something's following everybody. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, that sounds kind of spooky. You feel like looking behind you. Go ahead and look behind you. Don't gasp. And what I'm saying is, something is following everybody. I really believe that. I really believe that every human being is following something, and because of what they're following, something is also following them. What do you mean by that? Well, I believe that one thing David had in mind, I think there's two ways we can view the statement, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Here's the first way. We are all followed, we're all followed by a payday. We're all followed by a payday. That is, we are all followed by the consequences of how we live our life. Because what is goodness and mercy? What are goodness and mercy following us? You know what goodness and mercy are? They're a consequence. They're a consequence. How many of you believe there's such a thing as a blessing? How many believe there's such a thing as a curse? Sure there is. Listen, believe me, there's such a thing as a curse and there's such a thing as a blessing. How many of you have ever known somebody and just looked to you like when you looked at their life and what constantly happened in their life, it looked like they were cursed? And how many of you have ever known somebody that just looked like no matter what they did, they were blessed? They were just blessed to where it just made you want to throw up sometimes. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? See, here's the deal. David is saying, because I've let him be my shepherd, because I follow him and he's my shepherd, then something's going to be following me. Now let me tell you something. What do you want following you? Whatever you want following you, are you ready? That's what you pursue. Do you know that God cares a whole lot about your pursuit? He cares about what you pursue. Paul said, for instance, in Timothy, he said, pursue righteousness, holiness, godliness, if you look in the New Testament, if you were to go to your Strong's that most of you have because you've been with me, you have a Strong's, go there and look up the word pursue and look it up in the New Testament. How often we are told what to pursue and what not to pursue. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. What's he saying? Pursue primarily, more than any single thing, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then what does he say? And all these things will be what, everybody? Added, or could we just go ahead and use the 23rd Psalm language? Will follow you. Now, follow this thought with me, because I don't think I'm talking to anybody who doesn't want to be followed by blessing. All right? You cannot assume blessing is going to follow you unless you are pursuing that which brings blessing. So what we're reading here is the consequence of the first five verses. It's the consequence of the first five verses. He's saying, goodness and mercy are going to follow me because the Lord is my shepherd. And because I allowed him to make me to lie down in green pastures and to lead me beside the still waters. I have been with him enough that he's restored my soul. He's leading me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I'm walking through the valley of trouble, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. His rod and staff, they comfort me. I have allowed him to be this to me. I know that as I follow him, he's preparing a table before me in the very presence and eyesight and clear view of my enemy. And because he has been all these things to me, there is a consequence. 
There is a result. And it's because I followed Him, here's what's going to be following me. Because I pursued Him, here's what's going to be pursuing me. I mean, doesn't this just make sense? So, doesn't it make sense that this is the way He ends this beautiful psalm? When the Lord is your shepherd, it may take a while. There is a lag time between seed time and harvest. There's always a lag time. You've got to hang in there. You've got to stay with it. But if you let the Lord be your shepherd and you continue to pursue Him, and you let Him lead you in the path of righteousness for His name's sake, and you follow Him with all your heart, there is going to come a time when that which you have pursued is going to be pursuing you. Man, I tell you what, that gave me Holy Ghost bumps because I didn't even think about that before I came here tonight. That just came out. We're all followed by whatever payday we've sowed against. Galatians 6, 7-8 assures us, whatever a man sows, whatever a man sows, whatever a man sows, that's what he will reap. And if you sow seeking God, that's why every morning, that's why my Bible looks this way, and I'm not bragging to you, I'm saying it in all humility, I've got to seek God. I have to seek God. Because He's my life. And I read this morning how Paul testified, in Him we live, and we move, and we have our being in Him. And so you got to seek God. But every morning I'm sowing that word into my heart because I know that what I sow is what I'm going to reap. And so what I pursue will eventually pursue me. So Because isn't God goodness and mercy? Isn't that what God is? Isn't that a picture of He's goodness and He's mercy? And David said, because He's been my shepherd. I know what's going to happen, surely. Goodness and mercy. Kathy and I, every day we walk our dogs. And when she has to go to work earlier, I walk them alone, three of them. I have the chihuahua hanging off this little pouch thing here where I look like a kangaroo. This chihuahua's head is sticking right out and his little paws, and I'm his mule, and we just walk, and he just enjoys the view. I got the uh, lab here, the terrier here, and here's what I've noticed. The more they walk with me and get used to me, the terrier knows he's on my right always. The lab knows I always keep him on my left. And when they get real relaxed with me, you know what? They follow along next to me. And I was thinking just today as we were walking, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life on this planet. Why? Because he's my shepherd. And I've allowed him to be my shepherd. And so now, I don't have curses following me. I don't have anything like that following me. I've got goodness and mercy following me. Whatever a man sows will return to him on payday. He who sows nothing will reap a life of emptiness. He who sows in the devil's field will reap a devil's harvest. Do you know that's true? He who sows to the flesh will reap a payday of corruption. Corruption will be the, what follows that person around all the time. He who sows into God's field will reap a heavenly reward. Now, it's a little bit lengthy, but I think it'd be good to read Deuteronomy 28 because this is what God says will happen to those who follow Him with all their heart. Now listen to this. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, to observe carefully all His commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings, now watch this, 
Listen to the 23rd Psalm and these promises. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Now, you know what language that is? That's of something coming at you from behind. That's something pursuing you, following after you. And he says, this is what will come up behind you and pursue you and overtake you. How many of you would like to be overtaken by a blessing? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Now, watch this now. Will overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now, verse 3. If you've got a new King James and want to read it with me out loud, this is good stuff. Let's read it. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. Let's give the Lord a praise right here. This is good stuff. Amen. Now, he says, they shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he swore unto you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all peoples of the earth shall see. All peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, the increase of your livestock, the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Oh, man. This is good stuff. I'm going to read two more verses. If you're there with the New King James, read out loud verse 13 with me. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not be beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or the left to go after other gods to serve them. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise tonight? Amen. Now notice, the whole picture that this conjures is of these things overtaking you, following after you and overtaking you. And so David comes along in the 23rd Psalm and says, Surely, surely, because he's my shepherd, surely, because I have followed him with all of my heart, surely, goodness and mercy will follow after me all the days of my life. Now you're sitting there thinking, well, you know, Pastor, I've got a mixed bag following me. And I'll be honest with you, that is life. It, it's a mixed bag. But let me tell you something. It can be a whole lot worse if you're living in a way that brings curses to you. And I really do believe that. I believe you can live in a way that brings curses to you. But you can live in a way that in the midst of the troubles and the tears and the trials and difficulties that this life will always bring, there is a following after You, if you are following after him, goodness and mercy follow you like two little puppy dogs. Come here, goodness. Come here, mercy. Come on. There they are, right behind you. Now, one great deception of sin is that you pay only if you're caught. Proverbs 28, 5 says, Evil men do not understand justice. 
But one of the great oversights of righteous living is forgetting that there is a reward. There is a reward. 2 John 8 says this, Look to yourselves, that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. And then the Bible says in Hebrews that he is a rewarder. Can we say the word rewarder? Of those who diligently seek him. Amen. So that's the first viewpoint. That's the first way you can look at those words. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Let me flip the coin for a minute and give you another angle. Here's the other angle. All of you, all of you, all of us in this place are going to leave a memory. We're all going to leave a memory. We're all going to leave a legacy. Now think of it this way. Surely goodness and mercy are left behind me wherever I've been. They follow where I've been. Because I have made peace with the God of peace, because he is my shepherd and I followed him with all of my heart, and because he is goodness and he is mercy, and I'm hooked up with him, leaning on him, gleaning from him, learning from him, and being made into his likeness, which is what Christianity is all about, then it gets to the place where surely goodness and mercy follow after me. Everywhere that I go, I leave goodness and mercy. I leave goodness and mercy. You know, some people leave trouble everywhere they go. Some people leave confusion everywhere they go. Some people leave heartbreak everywhere they go. And some people are living so wrong, all they can think to do when they leave a place is cover their tracks. But now, watch this. The believer ought to be seeing it this way. I want to get to the place where surely goodness and mercy follow after me all the days of my life. This was true of Jesus. Acts 10.38 says, He went about everywhere doing good and healing everybody who was oppressed of the devil. And right when I was thinking about that description of Jesus, I thought of a woman named Dorcas or Tabitha in the book of Acts. And listen to the way it describes Tabitha. Because she was seeking the Lord, goodness and mercy followed along behind her everywhere she went. Acts 9, 36. At Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. Can you say with me, full of good works? And deeds of love, which she did. Well, what'd she do? Well, it says in verse 37, it happened in those days that she became sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he had come, they brought him to the upper room and all the widows. Now, I want you to look at something. I want you to notice something. You can tell a lot about a person at their funeral. Let me just talk shop with you for a second. I've done a lot of funerals. I've been pastoring almost 25 years, and I've done a lot of funerals. Done funerals of lost people, funerals of children, funerals of saved, mostly saved people. I've done funerals where there were just a tiny handful of people, three, four. And I've done funerals where it was just completely and totally packed and turn them away at the door. And here's what you find. This is one thing I've noticed. It's not always the case, but most of the time it is. The ones that are full that way were givers, and they were lovers. 
like this woman, full of good works and deeds of love, which she did. You're not remembered by how much money you had or the quality of car or the size of your house when you die. I'm going to promise you that. You're remembered by how you touched people. That's how you're remembered. And when you see them really weeping, here's what they're saying. That person touched me, touched my heart, made a difference in my life. Surely goodness and mercy follow after the one who has made the Lord their shepherd. So look what it says about her. This is verse 39. Peter arose, went with him. When he came to the upper room, all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. They were showing him why she mattered. But Peter put them all out. Don't you just love Simon Peter? Knelt down and prayed. This is the same guy that said, I don't know him three times. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a Tanner. So there is Simon Peter raising somebody who had died from the dead. But what I wanted you to see is what happened before that. Why did she matter? Because goodness and mercy followed after her because of the way she had touched lives. There's a million ways you can do it. There's a million ways you can do it. Just what is your gift? What is your ability? What is your, your knack when it comes? What do you like to do that blesses people? Maybe it's just uh, baking a pie and taking it to them, giving them a call. Listen, I've learned all over again the fine art of calling people and just saying, uh, how you doing? And I'm calling all the visitors who come to our church, all the people who come down and fill out any kind of a card at all, I'm calling them. And it's amazing what I'm hearing. First of all, they about faint when it's me, and I have to say, it's okay, it's okay, you're not in trouble. God hasn't given me a vision about you. That's what they think. I've heard people go, somebody will answer, and I'll say, this is Pastor Jeff Wickwire. I was calling for so-and-so, and I hear him cup the phone, and, hey, it's the preacher. And I hear him say, what's he want? I don't know. Uh, She'll be right here. But I hear so many neat stories, and people who've been blessed in our church, and I'll tell you when I got a call the other day, this was somebody that called me and they said, you know, I've been talking to this one person about uh, our church and a young businesswoman and she finally came to church last Sunday and she just wept through the whole service, just wept through the whole service. And so when they were driving home, she said, you know, I know that God touched you, but why were you weeping through the whole service? She said, it never occurred to me that Jesus would stop for me. Does that not bless you? One little thing like that can just make me sail the rest of the day because it's such a blessing because, you know what, he will stop for you. But here's this one, all through the service, all the way home, and she said, when is the next service over there? Well, it's going to be Wednesday night. I'm going to be there. Are you going to be there? Well, I don't know if I can go. I'm going to be there without you. See, people are hungry just for Jesus, just simple messages on Jesus. They're not hearing that. But I'm going to tell you, he'll stop for you. And you know what? If you'll make him your shepherd, goodness and mercy will follow after you. And if you follow him long enough, 
it'll get to the place where everywhere you go, following behind you, you will be leaving goodness and mercy, just like Tabitha. Amen? I was thinking when Paul was going to be taken in Jerusalem and probably chained up and imprisoned, all the people fell on his neck and wept on him. And then I read about Esau's wives. And you know what? They didn't leave goodness and blessing behind them. And I'm only reading this to show you that really you're one or the other. You might be a mixture, but I guarantee you, the more you follow Jesus, the more you'll leave behind you goodness and mercy. In Genesis 26, 34, it says, when Esau was 40 years old, he took his wives, Judith, the daughter of Barai, the Hittite, and Basimath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and it says in verse 35, they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. And I got to thinking, if you have a wrong spirit, you leave behind your grief. If you have a right spirit, more times than not, you're going to leave behind your goodness and mercy. They follow after you all the days of your life. Do you leave behind you joy or grief? Forgiveness or bitterness? Strength or weakness? Peace or turmoil? Contentment or conflict? I'm only asking that so that we can just for a minute examine ourselves and think, now if I'm really following him, isn't it our desire to leave behind us goodness and mercy? Even if the people behind us are stink pots, doesn't mean you've got to be one. Doesn't mean you've got to be one. Well, I'll be a stink pot because they're a stink pot. If they weren't stink pots, I wouldn't be a stink pot. Why don't you just be a blessing no matter what they are? Because Jesus said from the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And he was a blessing no matter what the others were doing. And then he says, I'll dwell in his house forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Folks, we're just passing through. This is not our home. It's not our home. I've just devoured the story of Joseph again, and something really hit me. I can't tell you in how many ways he's a type of Christ. I can't tell you in how many ways the story of Joseph and that man is a type of Christ. But when he started to die, he said, now there he was in Egypt. He was leaving behind him the Hebrew race, the embryonic beginnings of the whole Hebrew race. Four centuries from Joseph, there would be a million people out of 12. He says, when I die, you be sure you don't embalm me. You be sure you don't bury my bones in Egypt. You be sure that when God does deliver you, because he's going to visit you again, because his promise to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the Abrahamic covenant was for the land of Canaan. We're in Egypt. Egypt is where we're temporarily staying, but it's not our home. So when you are delivered and visited by God and delivered to the promised land, I want you to take my bones with you. And I want to be buried in the promised land. So that four centuries later, when Moses led them out, one of the things they were carrying was Joseph's bones. Don't you know that's a picture of the rapture of the church? Joseph had a covenant. You're not leaving me in this place that is not my home. And they were a picture of the Holy Ghost carrying his bones 
out of a temporary dwelling into a permanent habitation that was promised land. Amen. And so, I mean, it's just so powerful. And so there they go. When they cross that Red Sea, the water on both sides, one thing they're carting across. You can almost hear Joseph saying, glory to God in heaven, glory to God. Now I'm headed to the promised land. It will be that way with you. All of us have a covenant with the dust. You know what it is? You can't hold me. We've got a dust covenant. You can't hold me. Because when that trumpet blows, I've already got a contract with God. This is not my home. This is not my home. So when that trumpet blows, you're going to carry my body resurrected and glorified into the promised land. And there we will ever be with the Lord. Amen. Can we say it together? This is not my home. How many of you can say praise God to that? Amen. All right. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. For this beautiful psalm on the shepherdhood of God. We know that our great shepherd is leading us and as long as we follow him and as time goes on and we do follow him then goodness and mercy will begin to follow us. And thank you Lord that we will also begin to leave behind us goodness and mercy. In Jesus name help us to follow our great shepherd With all of our might, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.